Hey everybody, this is Dorinda Trick and welcome to this week's episode of Nurtured to Love. This is a time when we look at the way God designed a spirit, soul, and body and recognize that spirit comes first. And when we walk spirit first, we are going to have fulfillment. We are going to know our purpose for life. We are going to feel closer than ever to God. And we are going to um, be able to walk out these days, especially uh, these crazy days, with a peace that passes understanding. Um, Hey, again, I'm Dorinda Trick, and today is Thursday, May 12th already, if you can believe it, and we're beginning a new season today. This is season two, in which we're going to focus on a book I wrote a few years back entitled Witness to the Truth. It's a whole new deal now. So um, you've got, hopefully, those redemptive gifts and their characteristics and weaknesses and strengths under your belt. You've been investing in uh, the nurture and development of your spirit by blessing your spirit very regularly, aloud with the Word of God. Um, you've, you know, got some resources now, and so the uh, onus really is on you to stay in the game, continue to bless and your spirit and get instruction, and as we move into witness to the truth, we're going to get into some of the garbage removal that we'll need to do that will uh, really position us for uh, dominion with God. But before I get into the content uh, today in the introduction to this book, I want to just share another fingerprint with you. This is going to be a little bit different this this time, (laughs) but I walked out into my driveway yesterday morning and usually in the morning doing some watering, some new uh, flowers and plants that I've got around the house. I'm trying to give them a little bit of a head start uh, this year and really get them established well when I looked down and I saw what looked maybe a little bit like a lizard uh, but was actually not it was a baby snake but I want to say that the fingerprint of God on this was that the snake was dead (laughs) and we live out at a river on a river and so uh, to see you know you know, a lot of lizards and, you know, critters around here is not unusual. Um, I was very grateful that this little guy, and he was pretty little, but he was definitely a, a snake, not a lizard, and that he was already dead was, to me, a fingerprint of God, okay? So, just thought I'd share that with you today. You know, sometimes it's what's not happening that is the blessing that you are getting from the Lord, Now let's get started today. I want to begin today um, by sharing the dedication to this book, Um, and I'd like to just uh, read this to you right now. I dedicate this book, and the book again is entitled Witness to the Truth. It's available on Amazon. I dedicate this book to the men and women who've shared this journey with me, a journey of spiritual discovery, healing, and recovery of original identity in God. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. That's Psalm 16, verse 3. We begin today with the introduction to Witness to the Truth. A Song of the Future. Listen with your spirit to this poem entitled, A Song of the Future. Sail fast, sail fast, ark of my hopes, ark of my dreams. Sweep lordly o'er the drowned past, 
fly glittering through the sun's strange beams. Sail fast, sail fast. Breaths of new buds from off some drying lee, with news about the future, sent the sea. My brain is beating like the heart of haste. I'll loose me a bird upon this present waste. Go, trembling song, and stay not long, oh, stay not long. Thou art only a gray and sober dove, but thine eye is faith, and thy wing is love. It's a beautiful poem, A Song of the Future, and it was written over 138 years ago by a man named Sidney Lanier. Sidney Lanier, Baltimore, 18. 78. You know, I found this poem years ago. It was written inside a birthday card my parents gave me. Um, And they gave the birthday card to me originally when I was 28 years old. It was 1988. And it was a big time of upheaval, transition in my life, and new hope, I'd like to say. I had just gone through graduate school. I had uh, returned to school to become a counselor, a mental health counselor. And I was beginning my career at that point as a professional counselor. And, you know, as I look back, I know now that I must have carried some measure of faith and love in my heart as I'd made some tough choices and I was relaunching my life. The poem was too deep for me at that time. (laughs) It was deep, too deep. I read it, you know, and I liked it, uh, okay, but I didn't really think much about it until a couple of years ago, a couple of years before I wrote this book, when I ran across the the card again. You know, I tucked it away in something, you know how you do that, and, uh, you know, I had not remembered it. I had not remembered that I'd even done that, that I'd tucked it away. You know, now, though, I'm absolutely convinced my spirit did that. My soul had no clue. Why did I hold on to this 138-year-old poem, especially to these particular words? You know, I believe it was for a time that awaited me when the words by Sidney Lanier would have a special meaning for me. And I believe that that time is now for you and for me. If you'll remember in the poem, it speaks of an ark, and an ark we know is a vessel, it's a carrier. I believe that the ark of our hopes and dreams is the Lord Jesus Christ. He carries our hopes and dreams. You know, He knows when we're really young what, first of all, He knows how He designed us, even though we don't. We don't know who we are in our identity, in the deepest part of who we are, our spiritual identity. Very, very few people are ever told who they are and who God made them to be, which is our birthright. We are entitled to it. but. But no one gets this, and so our parents can't give us something that they've never gotten, right? So the Lord knows how He made us, and He knows the particular dream or passion that He has deposited in your spirit, in my spirit, and so He carries, I believe it, I truly believe He carries it for us. You know, um, traditional religion encourages us to become His vessels, You know, and that's an important aspect of our relationship with Him, but we cannot fully become His vessel until we we understand who we are in Him and who He has sort of positioned us to be. You know, identity will point us directly to purpose, but identity does need to be drilled down first. 
we, we must understand Jesus's nature, God's nature, the Father's nature, and allow our spirit to unite with his spirit, which is Holy Spirit. He becomes our vessel first and then makes us his vessel for his glory. Even as I wrote that and even as I speak that, I know that bumps up against some religious mindsets. And I think it does in large part because the first commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And one of the things I wish God had done a little differently there was, you know, of course, we absolutely put him first and love him with everything in us. But before we can love, we have to receive his love. That's the sequence. And so don't every one of us know that, uh, especially, especially those of us like myself who came to the Lord a little later in life. We, we haven't known the Lord always, as some have, so that we don't really understand the struggle. For those like myself who came to the Lord late in life, I was 38, my husband was 50. We came to the Lord together and were water baptized together. So we were quite, quite on up there in years. Um, don't we know that there has been uh, in our lives um, a drawing of our spirits by Holy Spirit to the Father? Um, so I share that. You know, I want to be very kind of pointed in sharing that because I know that I didn't have the capacity to love the Lord my God with everything in me until I began to receive His fingerprints of love in my life, and not just in, in my life in a general sense, but in my spirit. And He used all kinds of situations to draw me. Um, one of the situations that He drew me with uh, long before I came to faith in the Lord was uh, a palm reader's word as He traced the lines on my hand. Uh, again, I was searching for truth, you know, in all the wrong places, and God used the word anguish to begin to thaw out my frozen spirit. Now, was going to a palm reader okay with God? No, not really, but He will use it because, again, God knew my heart. He knew that I was searching for truth, again, in all the wrong places. So I'd gone to the palm reader, and I can still remember to this day the way I felt on that day. I was feeling very worn out with my life and depressed and weary of the partying lifestyle. And even though I was in New Orleans at, you know, a big party with all my friends and, you know, drinking and partying and that was, but I I was getting on up in age and it was getting very old and tiresome to me. I was longing for true life. You know, I thought true life was going to be in drinking and having a good time and after a while, that just doesn't work, right? That's not true life. And when I put my hand out and the palm reader traced my hand with his finger and said, your spirit has almost been crushed. You, you have felt anguish. The reason the Lord used that as a way of drawing me to him was that anguish is a feeling that you, that you experience at the deepest level of your being, you have feelings in your spirit that are different from the feelings in your soul. And so anguish is a spiritual emotion, a spiritual feeling. And I had been to some counselors. I was trying to work through my issues, but no person, no counselor I ever saw ever said, Dorinda, you have felt anguish. 
because when I heard it spoken by the palm reader of all people, right, it landed in my spirit. And because it was truth, even though it was spoken by, I think, someone who did not know God, I know he didn't know God, or he wouldn't have been doing that, right? Um, it began to draw me to God. God will use any one of a number of, of uh, resources, people, situations to draw you to himself because he knows we are trapped. He knows we have bought the lies of the enemy. That's going to be a big focus of our work together now as I go through this book entitled Witness to the Truth. And I needed, I needed truth spoken by whoever would speak it, and God used a palm reader to do that. So understand that God does want us to love him with everything in us, but he also recognizes that many of us walk with a pretty significant amount of damage in our emotions and in our souls and even in our spirits. Our spirits, most of us, you know, even those who go to church, I I know this is getting a little out there, but I hope you trust me now enough to hear what I'm saying and, and consider it, ponder it, and take it to the Lord. Even those who are in church, many times their spirits have been neglected. They've been ignored. The Word of God has not been deposited directly in the spirit of the people. And so even though they aim to work uh, out their salvation with fear and trembling and they do their best, they're doing it from their souls. And their soul is not the part of you that God designed to lead you in life. And it does not primarily witness to truth. That's why we've got to focus on nurturing our spirits so they can take their rightful place as the leader of our lives because God is not going to deal with your soul on the level of your purpose in him, your call. He is going to deal with you on the level of your spirit because that is the part of you that carries his redemptive design and purpose. So he becomes our vessel first and then makes us his vessels for his glory. He makes our human spirit to walk with him in deep unity Listen with your spirit to the word of God for you from 1 Corinthians 6:17 but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. You know this poem that I just read you the name of it again is Song of the Future and I do believe that many are ready to sing this song the song of the future over their lives. When I rediscovered the poem my spirit just rejoiced. I felt it truly described my personal deliverance, that my deepest hopes had never died, that God had protected the longings of my heart or spirit for such a time as this. In his perfect timing, he swept up from the depths of me, from my spirit, the reality of who I am and who he made me to be. That reality is my birthright in God In opening the gift, which was the first book I wrote on the subject of the human spirit, birthright is defined as who you are and who God made you to be. For definition, just for a little finer point on that, let's go to Webster's uh, Collegiate Dictionary, right? Merriam-Webster's, and I'll give you the definition. Birthright is a right, a privilege, or a possession to which a person is entitled by birth. Now, I am ready to embrace God's life within me. It is a deep calling unto the deep, just as Scripture says in Psalm 42, verse 7, 
Again, listen with your spirit to the Word of God for you. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. The Lord drew me to that verse early on in my walk with Him. Um, I was so grateful. It was like, you know, I always felt like in my family, and maybe you can relate, that I was just a little too much for them, just a little too deep. Just a little too deep, a little too intense. Now I understand my spiritual identity is mercy, prophet, intense, and sensitive. It's not an easy combination. Uh, Decisive and not so decisive, right? Uh, Bringing God's mind to the table, bringing God's heart to the table. Taking up an offense on behalf of God, taking up on a, uh, an offense on behalf of a third party. You know, real polar opposites, the mercy and the prophet, but also very much drawn to one another. I've really met a lot of women uh, during the years of ministry who have this combination in, you know, either in the order of mercy prophet or prophet mercy. And it is a challenge for them, but so many times we can get free of so much false guilt and just um, lies that the enemy has tried to get us to buy over the course of a lifetime when we hear how God has made us and how he's okay with this intensity and he's okay with this sensitivity. We'll, We'll talk again more as time goes on through this study of Witness to the Truth about the lies that mercies and prophets tend to buy and how they can just come right into that spiritual design of ours so we don't even know we're buying a lie and God wants to show us again a truth from lie so that we can agree with him and really move out in the things and the purposes that he has for us. You know, it's more than exciting. As you can tell, I get so worked up to experience God's power. You know, it resurrects our hopes and our dreams. We watch in stunned silence as he sweeps lordly or our drowned past. And He will help us to drown that past first, the parts of it that need drowning, right? He calls us to fly with Him, glittering through the sun's strange beams. The sun, the sun that gives us sunshine every day, but how about the sun, the Son of God? And we know that, uh, you know, the Lord can appear strange to us at times. Yeah, He can. It's a heady experience coming into a closer relationship with the Lord. It's a strange one. It's a marvelous journey of discovery that leads us back to who we are in Him, to our original identity. And nurturing the Spirit is a prerequisite for this journey. I'm going to harp on that because it's worth harping on. Just understand that means blessing your spirit aloud every day with the Word of God, with the blessings that you may find in a book that you buy. You know, one of the great resources that uh, can help so much in this area of developing and nurturing and strengthening your spirit is a book called Blessing Your Spirit by Arthur Burke and Sylvia Gunter. Um, Also, my book, Opening the Gift, and uh, the book I wrote also called In Spirit and Truth. Um, These are also great uh, resources for you. The Lord said to me years ago, I am is commissioning you to help the people know and become who they are again. And to help people become who they are again is a journey backward. It is. I know we're not supposed to hang out in the past, but we have to go back and, and get some understanding in order to deal with the damaged emotions, the strongholds, the lies that we have allowed to entangle us and prevent us from true identity. 
So as we journey back to discover who we are in God, this process can feel a bit strange, and Jesus himself can look a little or a lot strange to us. And this is because his very being is a reflection of God's divine order. Jesus walked in God's divine order, of course, spirit, soul, and body. And as he walked, he walked according to the spirit. This was the way that he met people first. Spirit first. He met them with his spirit first. Go to John 4, those two different encounters, the one with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and also the man at the pool, the man who had been... uh, a cripple for 38 years, I believe. The Lord speaks to them in ways that seem almost rude. You know, the way he spoke to the Samaritan woman. (laughs) He was quite, uh, you know, pointed with her as he told her that, you know, she wasn't married to the man she was living with. In fact, she'd had five husbands. And, you know, in, you know, our social life, we typically will not say things like that to other people unless we're looking to offend. But the Lord was trying to get right to the meat of the matter with her. He encountered her. He met people spirit first, and we are supposed to do the same. The Word of God makes it clear in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Listen with your spirit. Now may God, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. That's also verse 24. But you may, you may say, you may ask, well, who can walk like this? Who can walk the way that Jesus did? You know, we cannot do it if our soul is bigger than our spirits. And as I was preparing the manuscript for this uh, book, I, you know, I felt I heard the Lord saying to my spirit, um, and he was getting more insistent and getting stronger as he spoke um, to me. And he was really saying, you know, we will not be able to enter in, much less bear the weight of our call, our true purpose in life, if our spirit is not out ahead of our soul. We really don't have any choice in it. Our world is getting darker by the hour. We must develop strength in our spirits to witness to the truth in every area of our lives. We need help, don't we, to learn to live by the Spirit first as Jesus did. And you know, most of us have received little in the way of spiritual nurturing, as I said earlier. We may have started attending church nine months before we were born, but our spirit still got ignored and neglected. It's important to recognize and accept the fact that most of our culture, inside and outside the church, is focused on our soul and our body. And I would also hasten to say not usually even in that order, Most people are looking at how we appear first and coming to conclusions, judging us. Our soul does all of that. Our our soul is always judging, always. But God's best plan is for this spiritual nurturing that we need to come at the front end of life, well before the culture can interfere with heaven's deposit of truth. It really should begin in the womb with our parents calling our spirits to attention, to hear the Word of God. I have to say now, a wonderful resource for you is a book entitled Pure Joy. It's no longer available in print, but you can get it for $6.99 on Kindle. Go to Amazon. This is a book that is a tremendous resource for uh, young married couples who are looking to build a family. Perhaps you're already pregnant. You want to get this book, Pure Joy, 
read it, and the blessings are short. They're based on scripture, and mama, daddy, you can speak them to the spirit of your child in utero, okay? There's a story of a a couple who did this very thing, and then it came time for the delivery, but dad was a military man, and he wasn't able to be present in the hospital, in the labor and delivery room at the birth of his child, so he got to the hospital as soon as he could, Um, But when, you know, he's running down the hallway, he encounters the nurse who has an infant in her arms, and he says to the nurse, is that my baby? And because this father had been diligent and intentional in nurturing his child's spirit while still in the womb with the truth of God's Word and other loving, you know, uh, thoughts and things, he um, spoke, and when he did, the child turned its head and made direct eye contact with the father. That's very, very unusual. Another story is that uh, is quite similar in that, again, a father had done his part in nurturing his baby's uh, spirit in the womb, and the baby was in the breech position, but he was there. This father was in the labor and delivery room, and so when he he spoke to the baby and said, you know, your feet are down here, your head is up here, we need your head to go here and your feet to go there, turn around and get in the proper position for birth, the baby turned and was able to be delivered in a normal fashion. So these are stories that have been told, and we know that it makes a difference. The spirit is the part of us, of of a human being that is able to witness to the truth, and the truth is I need to be head first to come into this world, and nurturing that baby spirit made all the difference. So For God to release this gift, this revelation and understanding of spiritual nurturing and its power to position us to partner with Him is a tremendous demonstration of His love and mercy for us. He wants our kids to have a head start. Of course, He wants us to get strong in spirit too, of course. We dare not underestimate this gift through instruction and blessing to our spirits, which I just mentioned. God is making up the difference so we can enter into our true purpose in life and experience fulfillment in Him. Would you believe that He has even made our spirit to learn quickly, to learn much more quickly than our soul, and that once we choose to be fiercely committed to getting our identity and legitimacy restored, He brings His grace to bear. Yes, God puts favor on your spirit learning what He wants your spirit to learn. The learning curve for the spirit is shorter than the learning curve for the soul is a good way to put it. Yep, there is work for us to do to position our spirits to take their rightful place in exercising dominion over our souls. However, God is passionate to help us get what we need to become partners with Him now. And Jesus is going to start looking a lot less strange to you once you begin to nurture your spirit. Now, he may not look strange to you right now, but when you think about him spirit first, especially those encounters in John chapter 4 I mentioned, and you think about him in Revelation, okay, we need to recognize that we are one spirit with him and to walk out not as babies, but as adults in his kingdom. I want to finish today with the identity and legitimacy blessing. I want to put that deposit in your spirit again. And thank you again for joining me today. But let's finish with this blessing. Pencils down. 
I call your spirit to attention. Listen with your spirit to the word of God for you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God invested an incredible amount of effort and concentration in designing you. You are unique, one of a kind. There is nobody else like you. God has thought extensively about you. Every detail of your body, every organ, every cell is the result of God's thoughts. Every facet of your personality is the result of His kind intention. You are beautiful and you are beloved. God has blessed you with His love. God smiled on the day He created you. He had been waiting for millennia for the particular point in time when you were conceived. He had fresh joy in His heart when His plans came together. He nurtures your spirit. He watches over you. Your world needs you. You bring something to your family that no other person has. They need the gifts you bring. Your family would not be complete without you. Others in your circle need the deposit God has placed in your life. Your father's written your days in his book. He's already read the final chapters, even though we haven't had that privilege. Your life is not a random thing. He is looking forward to the chapters of the story he's already written. He designed your spiritual heritage. He reached back into your father's bloodline and your mother's bloodline, and from generations past, your Heavenly Father chose different parts of your heritage. Some parts are not so beautiful. Some parts are absolutely gorgeous. Yet your Father wove it all together, and He gave you everything you need in the package of your life to be an overcomer, to take the negative parts of your heritage and triumph over them, to walk in the beauty of all that God has placed within you, Your Father made you beautiful and beloved. I bless you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God invested an incredible amount of effort and concentration in designing you. You are unique, one of a kind. There's nobody else like you. God has thought extensively about you. Every detail of your body, every organ, every cell is the result of God's thoughts. Every facet of your personality is the result of His kind intention. You are beautiful and you are beloved. God has blessed you with His love. God smiled on the day He created you. He'd been waiting for millennia for the particular point in time when you were conceived. I don't know what all the future holds for you, but I know that you are loved. You are a blessing to your family and you are a life giver in this world. You are special and I celebrate God's miraculous design of who you are. I bless your spirit in Jesus' name. I'm Dorinda Trick. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Nurtured to Love, a journey of discovery of who you are and who God made you to be. See you next week.